Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 565 for the 22nd of October, 2017. This week, 12,000 people attended Adobe Max this week, where Adobe introduced the largest number of changes since the advent of Creative Cloud. Camtasia, the screen recorder from TechSmith, has been updated with new features that may seem minor, but only until users compare the new capabilities with what came before. In short circuits, when you need to send a file securely, there's a new way to do it from Mozilla. Because modern computers boot so quickly, being able to start in safe mode isn't as easy as it used to be. We'll look at several ways to get there when you need to. In spare parts, only on the website, if you're tense, maybe it's more than just the chaos all around us. Maybe you're breathing wrong. And there's an app for that. Robocalls declined slightly in September. You probably didn't notice it. We'll take a look at the numbers. We'll find that Columbus, Ohio is the number two source of these calls. Fall is my favorite time of the year, in part because that's when Adobe's annual conference occurs. It's called Max, and this year it was in Las Vegas. Some 12,000 people attended, and they came from more than 60 countries. There's a lot that's new this year, and although Max attracts mainly a professional audience, there are advances for those of us who have more modest talents. Being in Las Vegas just two weeks after an attack on another large event that killed 60 people led Adobe CEO Shantanu Narayan to call on creatives to be a force for good in the world. He then handed the stage over to Brian Lampkin, who made a valiant attempt to describe all of the changes in brief. Now, I'm not going to have the time to share everything with you today unless you've signed up for the special six-hour version of my keynote. But for the rest of you, we're going to cover the highlights, and I think you're going to be really excited about what you see. There are three themes I'd like to anchor on today in the announcement. First, we are introducing a set of brand new Creative Cloud apps. We've been working really hard on this. And these tools embody a modern approach to how we develop application systems. They're designed from the ground up so that you can work anywhere, any way you want, and truly unleash creativity. Combined with power, powerful experience improvements to some of your favorite apps, such as Photoshop and Illustrator, we are building a completely fluid system that will evolve and grow as you do. Next, by integrating learning and live streaming and Adobe Stock and Typekit functionality at the core, we're investing in the assets and the education and the support that you need to be successful. These updates are intended to make creativity accessible for all, no matter where you live, how you work, or what your experience level. Finally, as Shantanu noted, we continue to build on an ever-expanding foundation of artificial intelligence capabilities, Adobe Sensei leveraging our next generation algorithm and machine learning platform. We know that the pace at which you create needs to accelerate. We know that you want to be in control of your creativity, but, but we're going to deliver Sensei-powered features that will speed up the process. As you might expect, I was most interested in the changes that are in store for photographers, and Maria Yap described how photography has changed over the years to what we have today 
the ability to capture high-quality images on mobile devices. The camera phone marked a new era, and suddenly we all are photographers. Social media ushered in a new casually photo-taking and sharing, and becoming that daily activity for billions of us. So where are we today? Technology and photography continue to evolve, and even more photos are being captured across a wide variety of devices. We don't want to be tied to the desktop, and the solutions remain disjointed and too constrained. We've been cobbling things together to adapt to our changing needs. And as much as we love Lightroom, it was developed for a desktop-centric photography workflow, and we need a more flexible system across more devices. We need more than a single application. We need a new system. Probably the main headliner was five new mobile apps. Mobile is big, whether it's for those who use iOS devices or those who use Android devices. Adobe has introduced five new apps, some of which have actually been in beta for more than a year. First is Adobe Experience Design, or XD. This is the application that can be used to create prototypes of websites or any other touch points for consumers. XD makes it possible to create visual designs, define navigation flows, preview and share the interactive prototypes, gather feedback from stakeholders, and then export the assets for use in production. Next is Dimension, or DN. During development, this app was known as Felix. It's all about 3D design. That's a difficult topic for most of us. Using Dimension, you could apply a logo created in Illustrator or some other application to a 3D model and then light the scene and add a background. Third is Adobe Spark, or SP. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Spark itself isn't new, but it's always carried Adobe branding. Now Creative Cloud users can drop the Adobe brand and add their own. Spark is all about storytelling, and it allows users to create graphics, web pages, and videos. Spark was originally intended for a general audience, but professionals are finding lots of useful features in it. Fourth is Character Animator, or CH. Character Animator animates characters. You kind of expected that, didn't you? It's an application that will be of greatest interest to professionals who create animations. Let's just leave that one there. And fifth, Lightroom, LR. Well, Lightroom certainly isn't new, but of all the changes, this is possibly the most dramatic. Lightroom is being split into Lightroom Classic, which is the computer-based version, and Lightroom CC, a cloud-based version. Lightroom CC is designed as a cloud-based ecosystem of apps that are integrated and work seamlessly across desktop, mobile, and web. Lightroom Classic still has a file folder workflow that is well-established, and some users will prefer to stay with that version. Lightroom Classic will focus on the strengths of the file folder-based workflow, and Lightroom CC will be a cloud and mobile-oriented workflow. So let's take a little deeper look at Lightroom and Lightroom Classic. Adobe has continued to offer Lightroom with a perpetual license, but development will end. Lightroom 6 will still be offered with a perpetual license, but Lightroom 7 and future versions will be available only to Creative Cloud subscribers. New camera support will be added to Lightroom 6 until the end of this year, 
but that'll be the end of the line. Now that won't be a big deal until you buy a camera that is no longer supported. And then it'll be a big deal only if you shoot RAW images. If you shoot only JPEG images, Lightroom 6 will still work as usual. But if you shoot RAW images and want to continue to use Lightroom, you'll have to sign up for the $10 a month photography plan or the $20 a month plan with one terabyte of storage. Or maybe not. It appears that Adobe will continue to offer a free application that converts proprietary RAW images to their standard DNG format. That would allow you to continue to use Lightroom 6 with new cameras. You just won't get any of the new features that are introduced in later versions. So there's going to be a lot for photographers who use Photoshop applications to work through. And anyone who uses any of the other Adobe applications will also have some changes to review, analyze, and manage. We'll talk about those in future editions of TechBiter Worldwide. Anyone who creates training videos has undoubtedly at least heard of Camtasia. And based on instructional videos I've seen posted to YouTube, probably use Camtasia. The most recent major upgrade standardized the application for Windows and Mac, but it retained different version numbers, 9 for Windows, 3 for the Mac. The latest minor upgrade comes without cost, and it brings three new useful features. If your job requires that you train users how to use any computer-based application, having Camtasia in your toolbox will make the process a lot easier. A training video can be as simple as a video clip that shows a process, or it can be much more complex with titles, narration, music, on-screen highlights and call-outs, and more. If you need just a simple video clip, though, TechSmith's screenshot program, Snagit, probably will suffice. But if you need to document a more complex process, you'll want the additional features that Camtasia brings. When you're recording, Camtasia can capture the full screen, a window on the screen, or a region. During the editing process, it's possible to add video titles, text near the bottom of the screen for branding. Video pros call that the lower third. You can also add music tracks and narration instead of or in addition to computer audio captured during the recording and picture-in-picture -picture video can be added from a web camera while you're recording. So version 9.1, or 3.1 on a Mac, adds three new features that might not sound very important, but they can add a lot to a visual presentation. The three include these. First, device frames. Now, at first, you might think this is silly, but I'll explain how it works and why you might want to do it. This effect frames your video in a computer monitor, either a Mac or a PC, or in a smartphone, iOS, or Android. Why? Well, you certainly wouldn't want to run the entire presentation in a frame, but it's a clever feature to use during part of the introduction, or possibly as a transition effect. Second is PowerPoint import. 
In the past, sharing a PowerPoint presentation required recording the presentation, but now Camtasia can load a PowerPoint file directly and then output a video file. Those who have struggled with PowerPoint presentations in the past are going to welcome that feature. And third, editable assets. Earlier I mentioned title sequences and lower third text and graphics, typically used for branding. Well, until now, modifying components within these was pretty cumbersome. The latest minor program updates makes all of the components readily accessible. So it looks like TechSmith's developers have been concentrating primarily on making previously difficult processes much easier. There's a very short and very simple Camtasia sequence on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week. I show you how to forward an email. You probably already know how to do that. During the recording process, Camtasia keeps track of where the mouse is on the computer screen and the resulting video can be set to zoom in on an important part of the screen, where the mouse is, for example. By tracking the mouse, the program also makes it possible to highlight the mouse for better visibility and even to add a mouse click sound to the resulting video. Snagit allows trimming unneeded video from the beginning or end of a track, but Camtasia is more like a full-featured video editor. Links can be created within the video to a website or another video, and those who use the program in an educational setting can build in quizzes. Camtasia also adds the name and version number of the application being captured so that viewers will be able to see when the video was captured, on what operating system, and with which application. Now that's something that won't be important for many users, but software developers use Camtasia to document program bugs, and in that case, the information will be very useful. So the bottom line for the Camtasia 9.1 or 3.1 minor upgrade is five cats. You need to get it. It's free, after all. Camtasia Studio is essential for anybody who needs to create training videos. Those who have the current version should make sure they install the upgrade to gain access to the new features. Those who need just an occasional video clip should take a look at Snagit. It has a much lower price tag. You'll find additional details about both of those applications on the TechSmith website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. In short circuits, just about everybody has to send a file to somebody else, at least occasionally. If the file is small, it can just be attached to an email message. Larger files may need to be uploaded to a sharing system of some sort, but both of these have problems. Email isn't encrypted. More accurately, unless you have jumped through several complex hoops, any email you send travels across the Internet in plain text or in a data stream that's easily read by anybody along the way. Encryption really should be easier, but it isn't, and it probably won't be, at least for a while. So if you're sending information that you'd prefer to keep quiet, email is not a good option. Instead, perhaps you place a file on a file-sharing site. Some of these are password-protected, but the files are probably not encrypted. Again, unless you have set up encryption on your computer and exchanged public keys with the person who will receive the file, 
the file's going to be easy for anybody to access. Of course, you could compress the file and add a password, but depending on the compression application you select, the password would be only a minor impediment. Or you might say, well, Microsoft and Adobe allow users to password protect files, so you could use those capabilities. Those do provide a comfortable but completely false sense of security. There's a new option, though, that encrypts files during transmission, encrypts them on the server where they're stored, encrypts them during transmission to the person who picks the file up, and then deletes the file from the server after a single download. How much would you have to pay for that service? Well, currently, it's free. Firefox Send is a Mozilla test pilot program. Currently, the service can be used regardless of which browser you choose. It may eventually be built into Firefox, or it might continue as a standalone application. Mozilla describes how the test pilot program works on its website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, and there's also a link to Firefox Send so that you can use the application. Send lets you upload and encrypt files up to one gigabyte in size for sharing online. After the file is uploaded, Send creates a link that you can send to the receiver. The links expire after one download or 24 hours, and then the file is deleted from the Send server. So that users can see the status of their uploaded files or delete them, information about the uploaded files is stored on the user's computer. That information includes Send's identifier for the file, the file name, and the file's download link. The information is deleted if you delete the uploaded file or when you visit the Send site after the link expires. Here's one of them old-timer stories. You know, in the old days, back when we had computers with slow mechanical disk drives and an old-fashioned BIOS, booting into safe mode when you needed to was pretty easy. On most computers, pressing F8 would halt the boot process and display a list of options, one of which would be safe mode. That was handy when something was causing the computer to crash or when you wanted to start the computer with only the most essential drivers. If you've tried that recently, you probably found it didn't work. You can still get there, but you have to know one of the secret handshakes. There are several. I know some. Persistence is one option. If a Windows 10 computer crashes when it boots, just keep rebooting. It's kind of like baseball in that if the computer crashes on boot three times, the fourth time Windows will automatically offer repair mode. Once you have that screen, you can select Advanced Options, then choose Troubleshoot on the next screen, select Advanced Options from that menu, and then Start Up Settings and Restart. The computer will boot a fifth time. This time you'll be offered the old familiar boot options, including Safe Mode and Safe Mode with Networking. Or you can plan ahead. Your computer probably didn't come with installation media. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. But you can make your own when the computer is running by burning a DVD or a bootable thumb drive. When the computer is having a problem, boot from the DVD or the USB drive. You'll see a setup screen, so click Next. Then one of the offered options will be Repair Your Computer. This will look pretty familiar. Select Troubleshoot and Advanced Options, but then select the Command Prompt. 
Then you want to type BC edit space forward slash set and in curly braces the word default followed by safe boot minimal. That's all shown on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Once you do that, press enter. Close the command window and reboot. The computer will start in safe mode. If an application repeatedly crashes and you want to see if it works in safe mode to determine whether the problem is a driver, press the Windows key and type msconfig. At the top of the list of applications, you'll see System Configuration, so you want to click that. Then open the Boot tab, select Safe Boot, and then choose the Minimal option. Click OK and choose Restart. The computer will boot to safe mode. Okay, a couple more. You can use the Login screen. If the computer is able to display the logon screen, hold the Shift key down, click the Power button, and then choose Restart. When the computer boots, you will be offered several options. We're back in familiar territory here. Troubleshoot, then Advanced Options, Startup Settings, and Restart. The computer will boot, and you'll be offered boot options that include Safe Mode and Safe Mode with Networking. And finally, this is really for antique hardware only, if you're still running Windows 7 or an earlier operating system on a computer that doesn't have a solid-state boot drive and also doesn't have the newer Unified Extensible Firmware Interface BIOS, pressing F8 might still work. Might. Probably not. When you're satisfied that it won't work, just try one of the other options. How about some options you can try and spare parts? You can try them only on the website. If you're tense, Maybe it's more than just the chaos all around us. Maybe you're breathing wrong. There's an app for that. And robocalls declined slightly in September. You probably didn't notice it. We'll take a look at the numbers, and we'll find that Columbus, Ohio, is the number two top source of these calls. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website www.techbiter.com and if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.